0: You may be seated. Turn back to Romans chapter 11. You brought your Bibles with you. It will be on the screens as well. We are studying through the book of Romans. We are in chapter 11. We'll be looking at verses uh, 7 to 10 today. Thinking about what it means that God hardens sinners. We talked about that a little bit in chapter 9. We'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more today since it is here. But I'll start reading in verse 1. This is God's Word. I ask then, has God rejected His people by no means? For I myself am an Israelite the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see, and ears that would not hear down to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their backs forever. That's for God's word. Let's pray together. This is your word, Lord. We pray that you would take your word and do your work. Help me to preach your word in the power of the Spirit, Lord. Help us to hear it in the power of the Spirit as the very word of God. And may the Spirit illumine and apply it to our hearts that we might either come to faith, have seeds of the gospel sown anew, or grow in grace, depending on the need of each individual heart. But We, tra- we thank you for the treasure of your word and for the knowledge that your Spirit will apply it. And we pray for your help to both preach and hear the Word of God. We look to you, we trust in you, and we ask it of you in the holy and precious name of Jesus. Amen. Heart disease is a very serious issue. One person dies every 33 seconds in the U.S. From cardiovascular disease. In 2021. Over 700,000 people. Died. Of cardiovascular disease. Over time. The arteries that carry the blood. To and from the heart. Get hardened and narrow with plaque. Hardening. Eventually resulting in. A heart attack. And both heredity. And habit. Plays a role in that. Many of those deaths could have been prevented with better health and nutrition habits. Sometimes also, if it's caught early enough, surgery can correct the problem. Right, Mike? Mike recently had heart surgery, if you don't know. The danger in the hardened arteries, in the hardened heart, is that it can bring death. Today we're going to talk about a different hardening of the heart, a spiritual hardening of the heart, and talk about what our text means when it says that the rest were hardened. If you've been with us, you know this, if you haven't, just a reminder, I would encourage you to read the book of Romans. It's one of my, if I had to pick a favorite book in the Bible, it's this the book of Romans, I, I've told you before, if you understand the book of Romans, you'll understand the Bible. If you pair it with Hebrews, you'll really understand the Bible. Um, but uh, Paul began by showing Jew and Gentile both. Every person has a need for a Savior, that Christ is that Savior, and it is through faith in him alone. Justification by faith alone is through trusting in Jesus alone that we are justified or or pardoned for all of our sin and counted as righteous in His sight through His righteousness imputed to us by faith, that every soul that He justifies, He sanctifies or grows in grace, that nothing can separate us from His love. And we began talking about this mystery of salvation, His sovereignty and man's responsibility and Jew and Gentile and how God's weaving that all together, building His church. So this section in 9 to 11 Chapter 9 to 11, we said that the thesis statement of what Paul is going to show us in chapters 9 through 11 is verse 6. That is telling us God's word has not failed. Even though most Jews were rejecting their Messiah, God's word has not failed. Because not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. Not all who are physical Israel are spiritual Israel or the true Israel of God. And so he started talking about the children of promise and the children of Abraham. We've talked about election. We've talked about the Jewish unbelief and the responsibility of man and how we don't wash either of those two out. Sovereignty and responsibility go together in the Bible. We've seen Paul's burden for his brethren, the Jews. And so we saw that it reiterated in chapter 10 and the message of salvation going out. Israel has heard it. They have, for the most part, been what it says in verse 21 of chapter 10, where God says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. You know, even though uh, Elijah thought he was the only one, he wasn't. There was a remnant, right? And Paul is showing us that there is still a remnant. He answers the question, has God rejected his people? By no means. And that's what we talked about last time, the present, verse 5, there is, at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. And so we'll pick it up in verse 7 this week and talk about from verses 7 to 10. I titled it Hardening by God. So there's an active sense of God's hardening, and I don't know if passive is the right word, but we'll see if, 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 when we talk about a little more about what that means but the main point here, just from this text as we look at it, is God mercifully grants faith and justly hardens a sinful, unbelieving heart. Uh, quickly, the, the first part of that main point, referring to the elect that we saw in the, there in the first part of, in chapter 7, chapter 7, verse 7 of chapter 11. And then we'll move from that to, to talk about the hardening of God. God mercifully grants faith and justly hardens a sinful, unbelieving heart. It's a just mercy and a just judgment. We've already talked about that. But look at the first point. The elect obtain right standing with God. Look back in verse 7. What then? He's, talking, he's just talked about the remnant. Here's his kind of conclusion. And this is kind of a summary of what he's been showing us so far in um, chapters 9 through this point in 11. Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. What was it seeking? Righteousness. Right standing with God. And why did they fail? We've already seen that in chapter 10 because they pursued it as if it were works. Verse 3. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God, this righteousness that comes from God, this righteousness of Jesus Christ that is imputed to those who trust in Him, being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own through their own law-keeping, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Israel, the Jewish people, in mass, the majority, failed to obtain What they were seeking because they sought righteousness and right relationship with God in the wrong way. As if it were by works. And we've seen Paul explain that to us so far. But then he says this. The elect obtained it. The elect obtained it. The chosen obtained it. Those chosen, Ephesians 1, 4, from before the foundation of the world. Given to Christ. Christ would come. And be the mediator. The elect have obtained it. God has worked faith in the hearts of this remnant of the Jewish people. Remember, we're still at this point mostly talking about the Jewish people. And that God's preserved remnant. You've seen it in verse 5. There is at the present time a remnant chosen by grace. Those chosen by grace are the elect. They didn't deserve mercy, but they've received mercy. They deserve judgment just like the rest. But they have received Mercy from the Lord. So the elect did find it. What did the elect find then? The elect found righteousness. They found what is called in here the righteousness of God. They received the gift by God's grace. Being dead in their trespasses and sins. And called through the gospel the spirit giving life. Such that they turned and trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. And were pardoned for all of their sins and and. Clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ and made children of God. The Spirit applied the gospel to their hearts. The gospel that was present in the Old Testament through the types and shadows and sacrifices. And is present overtly with the coming of Christ and his giving of the Great Commission and the gospel to his church. The elect found it right relationship. With God. Remember, we saw this in chapter three. None deserve this. All are sinners. All deserve justice. All deserve condemnation. And that's you as well. Have you been humble enough? Has God brought you to the place in your life where you realize that what you deserve from God is condemnation from God because you have broken his law in thought, word and deed? And if he has humbled you to that extent, then he's put you in the right place. See, he's the one his spirit has quickened you such that you can see your sin and grieve over it and turn and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Christ lived for us. He came and lived the perfect life under the law and fulfilled it in thought, word and deed because we had broken it. And then he took our curse our penalty, and paid for that on the cross. And the third day rose again for our justification that we might be made right with God. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried and He was raised the third day, proving it all true. And He gives salvation to all who will turn, repent, and trust in Him. And in him alone. Are you trusting in Jesus Christ this morning? So you don't have to figure out. Whether or not you're elect. He receives all who come to him. Has he worked conviction in your heart. And such that you've turned and trusted in Christ. That's how you know. Read the first part of Thessalonians. Paul told the Thessalonians. This is how we know you were chosen by God. Because the word came to you in power. And in conviction. Such that you repented and turned and trusted. In the Lord Jesus Christ. Who rescues us. From the wrath of come. See, nobody believes on their own. Before Christ, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. And you know what? Dead means dead. You probably don't want to hear it again, but Princess Bride, that don't mean mostly dead. That means all the way dead. Unresponsive. Until you are born again. You can't even see the kingdom of God, Jesus said, until you are born again. At which point you grieve and turn and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. None seeks God. We saw that in chapter 3. Unless God is seeking them. And causing them to seek God. So the good news is. Is if He has brought you to that point. Where you have sought Him. Where you have turned in grief from sin. And trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's Him working in you. His elect. So that you find it. Righteousness. And right relationship with God. If He's convicting you. I urge you. To take it seriously, to turn and to trust in Christ and Christ alone. Here's the verse that I had, um, one of the verses I had written down. Second Thessalonians two thirteen and 14. But we are always to give thanks for you, beloved brothers, for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits, or from the beginning, I think is a better translation there. God chose you from the beginning to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. And to this He has called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Chosen, called, through faith in the gospel, trusting in Christ, being made the children of God. So it's by the grace of God alone that the elect trust in Christ alone... And not in their own works. So you can see that why the, the, the rest missed it. Why Israel missed it. Because we've already seen in chapter 10 and, and looking on back. That they were trusting in their works. They were trusting in their birth. Just because of being physically a child of Abraham. And the fact that they had the law and in their own minds and in their own way. They thought they were keeping the law. You see that in the young, rich young ruler. <clears throat> but they pursued it by work, so they missed it. If you're counting on being good enough, you're missing it. None of us have been good enough. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All must turn and trust in Christ. You are, by God's grace, sitting under the preaching of the gospel this morning, with the opportunity to turn and trust in Christ and have salvation as a free gift. What will you do with that? By grace of God alone, the elect trust Christ alone and not their own works, So they obtain it. Salvation, right relationship with God. How about you? Are you trusting and resting in the Lord Jesus Christ and in him alone this morning? If so, you have obtained it. If so, you are what he is calling here. The elect, but we've seen that there was an there was an elect portion of Israel, a remnant chosen by grace. That by the the majority missed it, but the remnant got it by God's grace. Verse seven again. What then? Israel fail, failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, and the rest were hardened. Look at that again. The rest were hardened. That can be a shocking statement to us, can it? If we're not careful, we'll think God's doing somebody wrong here. But He is just and holy and pure and righteous. And He will never do anybody wrong. Everybody gets justice Either a just judgment or a just mercy, but it's all just because of who He is and what He's done in Christ. We all deserve to be hardened. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. And see, we'll, it's a shocking statement, and it, and it should grab our attention. But it's especially shocking if we don't understand what the Bible teaches about the sinful nature of man. About total depravity. So we'll briefly review the biblical teaching of loss. What it, what it means to be a lost person. What does it mean to be totally Depraved. It means we were born with hard hearts. See, to be totally depraved doesn't mean we're all as bad as we could be. That we're utterly depraved. But it means that we're as lost as we could be. Separated from God and His grace when we're born. See, when Adam sinned against God, he brought hardness of heart and spiritual blindness to all who would come after him. We inherit both guilt and corruption from our father, Adam, such that we are born with hard, deceitful, self-deceiving hearts. Jeremiah says this, the heart is okay. Follow your heart. And that's Jiminy Cricket. I'm sorry. Um, The heart is deceitful above all things. Stop and look at that. Just pause. Look at how this is speaking of the lost heart. The the heart that doesn't know God. The heart is deceitful. What does deceitful mean? It lies to you. Your own heart will lie. Even still as a Christian, there's remnants of that sin. It will lie to you. That's why it's dumb to follow your heart. Let God's Word shape your heart. The heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately sick. Who can understand it? Who can understand the depths of the sickness, of the depravity, of the deceitfulness of the natural heart? That will justify us. And rationalize all sorts of dishonoring things in our lives. Even try to make it like God approves of them. Or God made me this way. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. It will lie to you and coddle you and justify you and rationalize you all the way into hell if you listen to it. That's a serious serious statement. And that's how we're born. I know those babies are so cute. And they look sweet. But as Jody Bacham says, they're vipers in diapers. They have hard stony hearts. They want all the world to be about them and you must train them. Not just to be Pharisees and do good so you'll look good, but to actually be Christians and repent of this sin. And trust in Christ. The heart is deceitful. It is hard. It is stony. It is against God. This is the way we're born. We'll deny God religiously or irreligiously. But the natural man has a deceitful heart that is desperately sick. So sick it's hard to understand. David agrees in Psalm 51. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. The CSB translates, I was sinful when my mother conceived me. I was sinful at conception because original sin. I inherit that guilt and corruption from Adam that comes down the line into all humanity and is only conquered by grace. I was sinful when my mother receives me. And this hard heart that we're talking about. It's what God promises to overcome in the new covenant. Look at Ezekiel thirty six twenty six and 27. In his covenant promise to Israel. Regarding the new covenant and the salvation he's bringing. He says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I'll put it within you. So the old one must be broken, right? I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. And give you a heart of flesh. So... What is a stony heart? What is a heart of stone? A stony heart is a hard heart that is stubborn. It fails to seek God. It fails to trust God or obey Him. It is blind to the precious value of the gospel and refuses to embrace Christ. And listen, saying that. I'll do my best and Christ will make up the rest, is refusing to embrace Christ. You have to forsake and repent of all your bad works and all of your good works to come to Christ. Are you trusting in Him? But a stony heart is picture, <clears throat> picture The picture of a stone is is you can't mold it and shape it. It's irresponsive. It, it's a rock. It doesn't respond to to God in a righteous way, and ultimately, it refuses the gospel. This is how Paul talks in Ephesians about all unbelievers. In Ephesians four eighteen, look at the description here: that we're not to walk the way they walk, because here this is what's true of them: they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Look at that. Due to the hardness. Of their heart. So we're born with hard hearts. And God righteously, justly responds with judgment against hard hearts. So sometimes the Bible says that, like with Pharaoh, sometimes it said his heart was hard. Sometimes it said he hardened his own heart. Sometimes it said God hardened his heart. And this is what was true of Paul's brethren according to the flesh. Flesh, the flesh, the flesh, the mass of Israel, the majority of Israel, though they dressed it up and, and went through all of the religious performance, had hard and stony hearts of unbelief, were a disobedient and a contrary people, as we've seen. They rejected their Messiah in favor of Moses. And Moses, all the while, is pointing them to Jesus. They rejected grace in favor of their own works. They were blind to the fact that Christ was the way, the truth, and the life. They had an evil heart of unbelief. A stony heart. Which is what we're all born with. Let me say, following up on that, something that we must embrace. Hard hearts are not God's fault. Although we want to make it that way, we often want to blame our sin on God. God does not create fresh evil in any heart, and He is not responsible for man's sin and unbelief. James, just one example. James one thirteen to 15. He says, let no one say or do not say when you're being tempted. Let no one say when he is being tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he tempts, he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire when it has conceived, give birth to sin and sin what it is. Fully grown brings forth death. So you see there, what, what James is saying is that sin is not God's fault, it is our fault. We're the ones that are enticed. We are the ones that choose to sin. We are the ones that turn from it. And if we're lost people, that's the habit of our lives. And we do it because we have a hard and stony heart. Sin is man's fault. And sin justly brings judgment. Listen to me. Hardening by God doesn't remove man's responsibility. One of the ways God righteously judges is that he hardens the unbelieving heart. So thirdly, let's talk about that. Hardening is a deserved judgment by God. So here's the real question. What does it mean that God hardens our hearts? What does it mean that we saw in verse 7? The rest he hardened. This refers to God's decision to confine people in the sin that they have chosen for themselves. We saw this in chapter 1, didn't we? Over and over we saw God gave them over. God gave them over. They refused to have the knowledge of God they refused to be thankful they refused to follow him they preferred idolatry and sin and so he gives them over to that sin see hardening is god's decision it's it's a positive judgment it's god's decision to confine people in the sin that they have chosen for themselves god's not responsible for their choice he didn't re- work that fresh evil in their hearts But he's given them over to the course they want to pursue. That's what he's doing. R.C. Sproul says it this way. When God hardens the heart, all he does is step away and stop striving with us. He does not force people to sin. Rather, he gives them freedom to exercise the, the evil of their own desires. We are born... With deceitful, sinful hearts that want to pursue, either in a religious way or a non-religious way, sin and rebellion against God that refuse to submit to His grace and to His righteousness. Our hearts are bent. And I'm talking about lost people now. Our hearts are bent towards sin and need to be replaced. When God wants to harden, when God hardens the heart, all He does, R.C. says, is step away and stop striving with us. He does not force people to sin; rather, He gives them their freedom to exercise the evil of their own desires. It's it's the tendency and the nature of lost people to pursue sin, And and when it says God hardens. He gives them over. Have you ever been behind a cement truck? Why is a cement truck slowly turning as it goes down the road? Well, because that concrete, the nature of the concrete inside that truck is to harden. And without that truck, that back of that truck turning and agitating that concrete, it would just harden up and be of no use to anybody once they got to where they're going. So the cement's tendency is to harden if it is left alone. Just like the heart's tendency is to be sinful if it is left alone. See, this is what happened to Israel in the Old Testament. And this is what was still happening in Paul's day. Jews in mass were rejecting Christ, therefore rejecting God and His grace. And they therefore were reaping judgment, the judgment of hardening. Every sinful heart is bent towards full expression of sin. And the only thing that keeps that from happening is God's restraining grace. And in an act of judgment, as he moves that restraint away, that sinful heart gets cemented in its way. And reaps the judgment it deserved. It's sobering, isn't it? Those are frightful verses. I mean, how many of us in our lives denied God's grace? Oh, I'll take care of that when I'm old. I'm having too much fun right now. I used to say stupid things like that. And it would have been just of God to just let me go. But there's a remnant chosen by grace for his glory and the glory of his grace. And why we were chosen, we could never understand. And none of us deserve it. And a lot of this we can't figure out. But it's in the word. And it's true. This hardened heart of Israel. There being a remnant. We've seen that was predicted in the Old Testament and talked about in the Old Testament. But this hardened heart was also talked about. In the Old Testament. So we've seen a summary of what Paul has told us so far in chapter 7. And then he's going to quote some verses from the breadth of the Old Testament. Uh, to show, to talk about this I Don't spend a lot of time on this. Um, but he says this. He, he quotes scripture to back up what he's saying. The rest were hardened in Israel. The elect, the remnant obtained it, but the rest were hardened in Israel. And he says, as it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear down to this very day. We become like what we worship, don't we? and when we descend into idolatry think about an idol if you had most of the, when we when we think about idols we don't think about our cars or our children or our houses that's another sermon um <laughs> but we think of these little statues right and and that was happening in Israel and it turned from the true and living god to worshiping what worshipping what is not god Isaiah mocks Israel for taking a block of wood and using half of it to build a fire to cook their food and half of it to make an idol to bow down to. But idols many times have eyes, don't they? That are molded into them. But can they see? They have ears. Can they hear? They have mouths. Can they speak? No. we, We become like what we worship, don't we? Isn't that an interesting twist of God's judgment? That they descended into idolatry and he hardens them by letting them go their own way such that they became like what they worshipped. Unresponsive to God. Idolaters. David says, let their table become a snare. So that the first part was Deuteronomy twenty-nine, four, and Isaiah 29.10. If you want to go look at those verses. Kind of a mashup. And uh, then David says, this is from Psalm 69.22 and 23. Really often quoted points us to Christ. You can see Christ in that psalm very easily. David speaking of his enemies and forward Christ of his in judgment. I'll let you read that. But it says, David says, let their table become a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a retribution. We've already talked about the stumbling block that most of Israel tripped over. Let their eyes hear with similar language. Let their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and bend their backs forever. You ever had a child arch their back in rebellion? <laughs> Parents say, Yeah, I've seen that. God giving them over to their own desires. So there we have the snapshot. Israel, the majority, failing to obtain righteousness and right standing with God, but by God's grace, a just grace, the elect obtaining it. I think I have a picture of this. I don't know if these kind of things help you. Israel as a whole is made up of the majority who are unbelieving Israel. Religious, but unbelieving, who have been hardened. And then the elect remnant who have found mercy and grace in Christ. So that's what Paul is saying. This is the situation. In Israel. Not all who are Israel are Israel. Not all who are physically Israel are spiritual Israel, are true Israel. We've seen him start that way in chapter 9, and we've come back to that here in chapter 11. But that is the picture of Israel. How is God going to use that? How is he going to use that situation to expand the gospel to the nations? Well, that's where we're going to go as we continue on in chapter 11. See, the elect could only credit God's grace for their salvation, and the rest could not blame God for their sin and unbelief. By In mass, they were a disobedient and and contrary people, but God has not fully rejected them. There is a remnant chosen by grace. He has hardened, which is what they deserve, and it was predicted in the Old Testament. So, let's just reiterate a few points of application. The first one is is none of this means, this does not mean that God has completely rejected Israel corporately or entirely. He'll never forsake His promises to Israel. He, He has not rejected Israel entirely. It's just not... All who are of Israel are true Israel. There's the majority and then there's the elect. There is always, always a true Israel. And just a sneak peek as we go forward in chapter 11, we're going to see Gentiles grafted into that true Israel. It's not replacement theology. It's fulfillment theology. The unbelieving branches broken off and the believing Gentiles grafted in. But I don't want to preach that sermon too early. But God has not rejected Israel. Right? True Israel. He will keep His promises to Israel. And by God's grace, and I am thankful for it, it reached all the way to Swansboro, we get included in that. See, we get grafted into all of those promises and all of that new covenant reality. It was promised to Israel, but God has not rejected his people. So Paul's made that point, and I just wanted to reiterate that. Number two, hardening does not remove responsibility. We are responsible for our sin and the judgment that comes to our sin. God didn't create evil in any of us. God didn't create evil in unbelieving Israel. Their sin was not His fault. Their stony hearts was not His fault. And judgment was a righteous response. Here's what I need you to hear. Every single person is responsible for their own unbelief and sin. A lot of people are not raising their kids that way these days. You are responsible for your actions. I don't care how you might have been spoiled or not spoiled. You are responsible for what you do. For what you think. For what you are. And there will be no excuses before God. His sovereignty does not remove our responsibility. Everything in me worthy of judgment is my fault. And everything good and gracious is his fault. But I cannot blame God for my sin. Every person also is commanded to turn and trust in Christ. Go read the end of Acts chapter 17. You'll see that in verse 30 and, and following. Mystery there. But sovereignty and responsibility are true. Whether we understand it or not. If you are judged, it will be because of your sin. And it will be a just judgment. If you are forgiven, it will be because of His grace. And it is a just mercy. So I just ask you as I close, how is your heart? How is your heart? Do you have clean spiritual arteries? Well, how would I know if I had clean spiritual arteries? Number one, you'd be trusting in Christ and Christ alone. Number two, you'd love the Lord and seek to honor Him and grow in it in your life. And how do you know that your spiritual arteries are hardened? Well, there's unbelief there. And a a heart that doesn't respond to God well. Doesn't seek to love him by keeping his commandments. Seeks to walk its own way and blame God for its failure and expect God to bless its path. Is faith in Christ flowing from your heart? Is a love for God and a desire to glorify him and a grief over sin flowing from your heart? If so, you have clean spiritual arteries. You've been given that heart of flesh that God talks about. If not, that rock is still dwelling in you. And mystery of mysteries, every time you hear this gospel and reject it, it gets harder. Not that it's not overcomable by grace, it always is. You see that in Saul and in Paul. Are your spiritual arteries hardened in producing unbelief? If so, by God's grace, the call to you today is to repent and to trust in Christ. So as I wrap it up, the physical heart problems are very dangerous. They are a threat to our physical lives. But spiritual heart problems are more and more dangerous. Because they hang judgment over our heads. Hear the gospel. See, there's hope. Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised from the grave. Salvation is offered as a free gift. Will you trust in Jesus and in Jesus alone? Do you need spiritual heart surgery? Maybe you're honest enough to say, my heart is stony. I hear you. I don't necessarily believe you. I certainly am not trusting Christ. I'm doing the best I can i got enough trouble without you bothering me about it. I know how you think. Do you need spiritual heart surgery? Well, I'm telling you there's hope because that's what God does. Have your heart checked out by the Holy Spirit through the Word of God and hopefully replaced so that you no longer have this stony, unresponsive heart to God, but this fleshly one who now loves Him and who loves His neighbor and loves His brethren. Like Christ has loved his church. You trust and love the Lord and grow in his grace when you get that new heart. So whether you're an unbeliever or a believer, I'm going to ask you to close in reading a prayer with me. We're going to read it together. And I pray that it's the reality of your heart that you are asking God to do this. But we're going to read Psalm 139, 23 and 24 together. So if you need to clear your throat, go ahead. But I pray not just a physical reading. Take this home with you and and actually make it a part of your prayer. Uh, But let's read this together and, and hopefully the Lord will use it. You ready? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. To live as Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that heart transplants are happening even today. As stony hearts are removed and hearts of flesh are replacing those stony hearts. Hearts that will... Repent and trust Christ and seek to live for you out of love for you because of your grace. So, Lord, sow the gospel seed. Lord, reap the soul that will come in turn and trust in Christ. And nurture and encourage and edify and grow your people. Before the one who's honest enough to admit they don't know you, help them to look to you in faith and cry maybe as simple as the tax collector's cry god have mercy on me a sinner jesus said that tax collector went home justified look to christ turn to him trust in him rest in him he's faithful to his promises he receives all who come to him be done with that stony heart That leads you to rebellion against God. Cry out to him for a new one. And he will be faithful to hear that prayer. And those of us who do know you Lord. May we be thankful for your grace. We deserve to be released. To our own evil desires. We deserve to be hardened. And yet mystery of mysteries. By your grace and for your glory. And through your gospel. We have been born again. And therefore, we have repented and trusted in Christ, been accepted as your children, and you are growing us in grace. And someday you will finish the work. Lord, you know the reality of every heart here and every heart over the live stream and every heart who will listen to the recording. My prayer is that hearts will be transformed through the goodness of you applying your gracious gospel to them. What must we do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Help us, O Lord, we pray.